Happy Sabbath to all. A beautiful day outside. It was kind of like foggy in the morning over in Riverside, but now the sun is coming out and it's a good thing. I like the balloons. Yes, I do. And it makes the point that we want to try to bring to you today. Uh, I want to invite you to open your Bibles. Luke chapter 16, sorry, 15. And we are going to read the story. Uh, the story that you already know has been used many times by many pastors through all your time, all the years. You know the story about the prodigal son. Now, what I have here is, if you have your Bible open, I have NIV. Maybe some of you have King James. Is that okay? Everybody's good. Uh, chapter 15 has three different stories there, parables. The Bible calls it parables, but they are stories. And each one of them, you read the subtitles. The first one says the parable of the lost sheep. The second one, the parable of the lost coin. And the last one is the parable of the lost son. Each one of them are lost, according to each one of the parables. And for some reason today, I don't want to emphasize, and I'm not going to emphasize, the point that the coin, the sheep, and the son are lost. Today I'm going to emphasize the other side of the story that many of us sometimes miss. And it's the rejoice that the father or the person who is looking for that lost, for that lost animal, the sheep, item, the coin, or the person, have after finding it, after taking time to look for that. And many times we miss that. Maybe because we like uh, drama, you know, maybe because we like movies and we like to see what happened. I mean, what happened through all the old the whole process, but today I'm going to emphasize on the last part of the parable. So, verse number 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, father, give me my share of the state. So he divided his property between them. And I'm going to stop that because for me, that's the introduction to the whole thing. And to understand only that part or the whole parable, I want you to also read verse number one and verse number two of the same chapter. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around, he, around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, they these men welcome sinners and eat with them. They were talking about Jesus Christ. Why am I reading verse number one and two? When the parable talks about two sons, Jesus Christ is trying to reach two groups of people that they were practically the same because they had the same father. And they were the Pharisees and the sinners, as they call and that's something that God never had intention to create. Divide his church, divide his people by the ones who are righteous, the ones who are really, you know, the perfect ones, and the ones who are the lost ones, the ones who are the sinners. The ones doing that, making, creating that problem to that point, they were the Pharisees, the ones who they thought 
Everybody else is less than me, and I know better than you. So he starts by saying this story and saying, there was a father practically with two sons. They have the same father, two sons. By knowing that, we know that he is sending the message to those people. Now, at the same time, I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to tell you, is he probably trying to send the same message to you and me today? Because we all have one father. We all have one savior. We are no difference at all among us. We are all sinners. I keep reading. Verse number 12 again. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the state. So he divided his property between them. The older one never complained. The younger one is the one asking, give me my share, the part that I want, my half. And according to what they believed back then, if the younger one received half, the older one received twice that, the older one. The older one never complained by saying, hey, hey, don't do that. Father, just stay right there. Don't say anything. I mean, don't give anything. Just keep it to yourself. Let's, just, let's do all this thing at the end. He got quiet about it, and he received his money. I want also to understand something, that even that the father, the father knew that it was wrong for the son to ask the wrong thing, the wrong amount, I mean, at the wrong time asking for the money, he didn't say anything at all. He was patient enough to get quiet about it and just give the money to the son and the, old, I mean, the younger one and the older one. We continue with the story. Not long after that, the younger one, the younger son, got together and he had set off for a distant country and there squandered and he, oh yeah, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine and that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to, to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pots the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your higher men. So he got up and went to his father. You know that part of the story. And many people spend time in that part of the story. Because it's a very interesting, I mean, interesting story, what he's doing. But as you already watch practically the same story in a video, the same story in a play, I'm going to jump and I'm going to start talking about what happened next. You know how the son spends the money. You know how the son comes, I mean, he, he, he has this need of being hungry because nobody else has something to eat and he needs to work and he goes to work with the pigs. 
and for a Jew, I mean, for the Jewish people to be working with the pigs is the lowest. How can you put me to work with pigs? But he's hungry. He's in need. And in that need, when he's having that need, he comes to his senses. Says, comes to his senses. Hey, I need to eat and I know the place. That's my father's house. Now, when he goes back, for me, the story starts there. But while he was, this is verse number 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. That's the main part of this whole story. I don't know how many of you imagine God in many different ways. How many of you imagine God smiling? How many of you have that idea? You, you, you do, Wally? You do? You do? How many of you? How many of you imagine God being serious and looking at and following you? You know, like, like, like those pictures, kind of weird pictures, kind of like a sculpture. Wherever you move, the eyes move. How many of you feel that God is probably just like that and wherever you go, he's watching because he, those pictures are not smiling. He's just looking at you, kind of like, you know, whoa. How many of you imagine God sometimes like that? Like, wherever I go, he's watching me. And I better watch out what I'm doing. And I better be careful what I'm doing. How many of you imagine God all white, with white hair, long Beer, you were looking for one after. How many of you imagine God like that? Yeah. How many, how many of you imagine God in some other way? And I'm going to imagine my God. And please, whoever is up there and saying, Pastor, don't go that way, don't go that way. My God doesn't have white hair. My God looks brown like me. My God speaks Spanish. If it's someone out there who's going to tell me that's not God, be careful. My God runs. Does you guys, I mean, does your God does that? He goes running. My God runs. You see, for him to run, and I have to imagine, for him to run, I can't imagine him having a long, wide robe and doing this. I'm sorry, but I can't. That's not my God. When my God runs, nothing stops him, and he has the freedom to run when he knows it's needed. And my God is ready to run for you and me. And the picture that we have here of this father who showed, I mean, who is the father of this lost son that you want to call it, is the father that runs. And the whole picture is that I never remember when I was young to see my father running when I was making a mistake and when I was coming home. 
I do not remember coming, I mean, going to church and seeing people opening the doors of the church. I mean, opening the door and then seeing the person who is a sinner. I'm coming in front of, I mean, before the presence of God and everybody else, deacons and elders going, hey, welcome back. I do not see that in my church and I do not see that in my religion. Why is that? My God runs. And when you turn around and you realize this, and when you come to senses and you said, I need to go back to the house of the Lord, which is this church, my God runs and receives you before our greeters. He's outside watching for you. If you are here coming to this church because you know you need to be here, my God is not standing right here in this door. He's standing by that door over there, sorry, that gate over here. And once you take, I mean, once you get out from that car, he runs towards you because he is waiting. That's my God. But the story doesn't stop there. The story also mentions that he is running for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Is he Hispanic or what? He hugs. He comes up, hugs you. He, took, he just takes his arms around you. And doesn't matter what size are you, he grabs you and he hugs you. And if you feel uncomfortable, he kisses you. Yes, you and me, we could say, that's the cultural experience back then. And yes, it's true. But the principle behind for you and me to learn is all these things that he's willing to do to show you how much he loves you and how much he's eager for you to be here and he's waiting for you to turn around from all the things that you, from all the mistakes that you are making so he can come running to you and hug you and give you a big kiss. That's my God. But the story doesn't stop there, as I said. But the father said, sorry, verse number 21. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, he didn't finish with what he was planning to say. When the father cuts him up, but the father said to his servants, he's like, not paying attention. He's like, you know, that's good. What you are saying, you're right. Wow, you're having a deep, deep conviction. That's good. He stopped him. He doesn't even pay attention. Wait, wait, don't worry. Deacons, elders, come on. Start bringing all the stuff that we need to bring because we have one sinner who is coming to church. We have one sinner who is coming home. The father called up, uh, said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring what? The what? It's not the biggest. It's the fattest. And you know why? And this is what strikes me. Because when you talk about the fattest 
cub, I mean the cattle's cow or whatever sheep that you want to have there, they usually raise those sheep or cows only for a religious sacrifice. And Christ was saying to them, bring the fattest cow because they deserve that, that because a sinner who repent deserve to have the best. What happens sometimes? You know what happens sometimes? And we're going to read this later on. We have these joy vacuums, these joys, you know, they suck. These people, they suck. The joy suckers, they suck the joy out of you. And they come to you and say, how could you use a spiritual stuff to rejoice like that with sinners like them? How could you do this? And they just, you are so happy that one person is finally giving their life to Christ. You are so happy to share the gospel in such a way that you want to rejoice. Ah, those are the joy. No. Here, this father, that's a really care to some point. What is the reason of that animal, the final calf? He called his servants and said, kill it. Kill the animal. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Now when you read that part, when you read that section, and I was trying to learn the pronunciation of this, but those words that you talk, when you talk about happiness and celebrate that he's talking there, is the same way as saying, how do you say it in English, honey? Euphoria. Euphoria. Having a euphoria. Now, if you talk about that in the medical part, it's like you kind of a little bit going in the edge of crazy, way too much. But it's the same word that we use when you are like, wow! I am so happy. Do you get happy like that? We are so into, we are so cut into this thing that sometimes, you know, I mean, somebody gets baptized and I love this church. Everybody like. <laughs> I've been in other churches that they replace it for that. You can't go anymore. You can't express anymore. Here the father is just overwhelmed with joy. He is so happy to see his son. He runs. He kills the animal that is supposed to be for religious service. He calls all of his servants and says, come on, bring the best dress that you have for my son. And on top of that, he's, you know, the Bible said that he's rejoicing. How do you rejoice? The only way I can compare this, and I'm sorry I'm going to do this, is by comparing my background, Hispanic background, of what, what I do. I don't know. How do you do your, your, your celebrations? When you celebrate something, you celebrate for a reason. Even so, many people say that Hispanics don't need a reason to celebrate. We just celebrate. And that's a good thing, isn't it? I mean, you just say, what are you guys getting together? 20, 30 Hispanics, they're eating, that, you know, music really loud. Hey, what are you eating? I don't know, we're just getting together today. Like, wow. Among other people, no, we need a reason. 
The reason could be, you know, graduation, uh, so some, I mean, we need a reason. Here, he was celebrating. How do you celebrate? You see, I have some neighbors in my, uh, in my neighborhood that I live. I, I have some people that, you know, many of them, they are Hispanics. And yes, we sometimes, we, we, we are loud. We have to, I, I have to admit that, we are loud. Yeah, look at me, I'm screaming kind of like that. I'm loud, you know. And you hear the music up loud. And then they laugh. And, and the thing is not only that they are so loud and they do all of these things, but it's also that it's 9 o'clock. 10 o'clock. 11 o'clock. 12 o'clock. Like, somebody going to call the police here? Hello? I'm trying to sleep. They celebrate. You will be amazed to see the quinceañeras, kind of like 16, you know, the, you know, kids, huge. Look like weddings, like days, and like, let's celebrate. And when you have these, 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 these parties for little kids, oh, bunch of kids everywhere. Come on, talking about kids among Hispanics, we do have kids. Everywhere, jumping everywhere. The jumper, they're talking. the poor jumper, you know, so many kids is getting, you know. <laughs> and we have the piñata, and I forgot to bring my piñata today. That's probably the best training for kids about violence at that moment. <laughs> Come on, grab the pole and stick and just do it. Come on, with all your heart. Like, what are you trying to teach to the kids? And there's, bam, one leg over there. Yeah, and the kids come in, mommy, I got my leg. Like, oh, wow. Piñaras, food, the meal, the music, the moment. If I keep reading here, if I keep reading here, verse 24, and then starting verse 21, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field when he came near the house, near the house. He heard what? Music and what? They were not Adventists. They definitely were not Adventists. Music and dancing. How do you explain that? Now, I don't want you to leave this place saying Pastor Dante is saying that dancing and whatever, you know, I'm not saying that. And I'm not going to get into that either. But the idea behind of telling you how much you are going to celebrate with when, when one soul repents and comes to Christ to the point that you have music and dancing better gets here in your mind. Better, better gets here in your heart and make you think how much do we really celebrate when one person gives their soul to Christ. When one person decides to follow Jesus Christ. When one person is here for the first time listening to the word of God and they say, Pastor, feel that you talk to me today. Other than just going around like the older son that later on he's going to start complaining. 
know, music and dancing. And I'm not going to do that part here because, you know, I am a person that I like you to get the picture of the whole thing. I really do. And you, that's why you see me running and jumping and doing all this. Because I want you to get the picture, but I'm not going to do that picture here. And by the way, I never danced before, so I'm going to be making a fool of myself here. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the elders of the church, one of the deacons of the church, and asked him, what's going on? Hey, your brother has come, he replied. And your father was, has killed the final calf because he has him back safe and sound. The story continues. The older brother came angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, you know, to some point, how do you call that? How, how, how do you say grosero? Rude. The, the older son was rude because the Bible said he comes back to his father and with exclamation mark said, look. Oh, and I know that. Some people come to the pastor and said, look. This person, this older son was being disrespectful to some person. Look. Okay, look, Dad, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobey your orders. Yet, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill a funnel calf, I mean calf, for him? You know how many times, only in this story, the word father is mentioned? It's about 10 to 11 times. Depends the translation and depends where you're getting all the, the original and the translation from. And you know how many times the word son is here? like about 13 or 14 times, repeating, no name. He's not saying his name is this, or he's not saying the, the, the I don't know, you can call it the, the Pharisee, the, 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 the farmer, or whatever you want. No, he's calling the son, and he's calling the father. And here we have the older son saying, this one, your son. God is trying to send a message for you and me today, brothers and sisters. It's about we have one father who doesn't matter what kind of son or daughter you are, he is still going to love you. And we all have to remember that after 13 times of that word being repeated in that Bible text, you and me, we are sons and daughters of God. And we are not different to anybody else here. We are all sons and daughters of God. 
And it's not about you one day talking to God and saying, yes, thank you very much. That brother that you give me, that sister that you give me, that, oh, sorry, your daughter, your sister, I mean, your, your son. It's not about that. If there is something the Lord is trying to do since the day Adam and Eve failed to have a relationship is to build a relationship among his family. And the first place to start is in the family of God, this church. And the first place to start is your family, your family. And the first place to start building that relationship is in your heart. And if you are going to be hard, and you, I mean, if you are going to be thinking, just like the old son saying, look at you, I've been working all this time here, and you do a celebration for them, for him, or her. If you are going to start thinking that way, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but that's not what the Bible is saying here. That's not what the message of God is for you today. You and I are sons and daughters of God. And maybe the early church, and maybe the Pharisees, and maybe the Israelites, maybe the Jews, they made the mistake of trying to make these differences. But that differences, those differences can do not, cannot exist in the family of God. And you know, the end of all this story is the father saying a few words to his older son, my son. Isn't that beautiful? You can be, you can be disrespectful, you can be a big mouth in front of God, and still he's going to call you my son. Can we learn something there? He still calls you, you and me, my son, you can complain before God. You can say, how come and end up here? How come? You can say whatever you want. And he still called you my son. You are not somebody else, son. You don't have another father or the mother. You are my son. My son, the Bible said. Or sorry, the father said. You are always with me. And everything I have. It's yours. Remember that. Everything you have is yours. Everything I have, he said, is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, not, don't say your son, this brother of yours is your brother, my brother. This brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. It's time to celebrate. And I know you know this very well. Because I know some time in your life, you used to be lost. I know some time in your past, you used to be lost you used to be dead. I used to be dead sometime in my life. In the past, I used to be dead. 
But I have a father who hugs me, who loves me, who celebrates, who throws a party for me with balloons, mariachi, and whatever you want. He makes a big deal for you and me because he loves you. He loves you. And in the same way, you have to see your brother and sister. You love your brother and sister because your brother used to be someplace else, but now he's here with you, sitting in these pews with you, praising to the same father that you and I have. Don't be the vacuum that I was talking to. Don't be the one coming around and saying, oh, you are too happy today. Don't go around taking the joy of celebrating what Jesus Christ has done for each one of us. God is your father. It's my father. God sent Jesus Christ, not only to talk to them back then, but to talk to you and me today. So we can understand better that the prodigal son is not about that much, maybe about him being lost, but it's about him being saved. Because God is the God that saves God is the God that brings back people. God is the God that unites people. And from now on, I'm going to invite you, celebrate what you have accomplished so far in your, in your spiritual walk. Because it's not easy, isn't it? Celebrate. Let's have a fiesta when we have one soul who repents. Let's have a fiesta that he's willing to do the same thing for you and me. God loves these children. I know that. And God wants to change our lives. And the only way that all of that is going to happen is when we start understanding what Jesus Christ was trying to teach us. So let's just think about it, meditate about it, pray about it. And let's ask for the Lord to bless this church and each one of our family. And as parents, because I see a few parents here, you know, quite a few parents, that you better than anybody else here will understand what love is all about when you have one of your sons or daughters who are not here because who knows why. God knows each one of our situations and problems. Let's pray. Loving Father, thank you. Thank you because you are willing to break all the rules by which, by which 
sometimes we just follow. You are willing to just leave many of those traditions and things behind in order to celebrate for those who repent, for those who come to the cross asking for forgiveness. Help us to understand the joy of being saved. Help us to understand the joy of being forgiven. The joy of being part of the family of God. Help us to learn from this story. Help us not to be in the same position as the older son, but to share the joy and happiness of a family of God who is willing to open arms and accept and take all of those who are coming back home, your home. Bless this church. Bless the families here in this church. Bless our guests and be with us until the day that your son Jesus Christ is going to come back for the second time. Jesus' name, we want to ask all of this. Amen.